Hello, and thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast from Prism Insurance Agency. As you know, we put in a ton of time and effort to make each of our shows as valuable as we can. If you find the information useful, please share this podcast with a friend by emailing it to them or sharing this on the social media site of your choice. If you had a machine that printed money, would you insure the machine or the money that it printed? What if you had a goose that laid golden eggs? Would you insure the eggs? Or would you insure the goose? Well, today we're going to talk about disability income insurance. Every one of working Americans is really like a money machine. They're the ones that make the money, but if they're unable to work due to sickness or injury, the income stops. Unless, of course, you've insured that money machine. With changing demographics and improvements to our medical system, the needs of Americans has changed dramatically, and disability income insurance has changed as well with that to meet changing demands of the consumer. It's not the same disability income insurance that our parents or grandparents might have purchased. There are a lot of unique riders that cover a lot of things that go well beyond just our own personal disability. And joining us today is Corey Anderson, an expert on disability income insurance who works with financial and insurance professionals throughout the country to help them with their clients design customized programs to help cover people's most important asset, their income. Welcome, Corey. Morning, Jim. It's great to have you on as a guest today. I think we're talking about a subject that most Americans like to kind of ignore. There's a lot of misconceptions and assumptions, I think, that a lot of time people find out that they don't have the coverage they thought they did when it's too late, and they're looking to make a claim. And I know I just heard on the radio recently at one of our local news stations, they were talking about 1 in 13 Americans as of 2011 were on disability income through the government. I've heard the stories about how difficult it can be to qualify for those programs. Disability income, I think, is something that most people just don't know enough about, never really considered it. A lot of times, too, with their group insurance, they assume they're covered, and sometimes they don't even have short-term disability. What is your experience with disability income and what the need is out there today? Good comments, Jim. With disability insurance, people entering the workforce today typically will have a 25 to 30% chance of becoming sick or hurt and having that last 90 days or longer prior to retirement age. The 25% is going to be more in the white-collar occupations, and 30% or maybe a little higher would be for the blue-collar occupations. But the thing is, is, is a lot of people don't ever look at their disability plan, but everybody has a plan, and that plan might be relying on Social Security disability through the government, which has never enough benefit for anyone, or they may have some sort of group plan, but they've never actually looked at the group plan. With most group plans, the issues that kind of come up in a group plan is anytime you have a group disability plan, you're typically going to have a Social Security offset. So if you receive a dollar from Social Security disability, your group benefit is going to be reduced by a dollar. If you receive $1,000, it's reduced by $1,000, and that includes your children as well. So, for example, if you're out on claim and the government's paying you money, but they're also sending checks to your children, all of those checks typically are going to offset against a group disability plan. The other issues with some group disability plans is they're typically going to cover covered earnings or defined earnings. And the thing with covered earnings or defined earnings, typically that's going to be base wages. These days I see a lot of employees that have either overtime or have quite a bit in bonus income or commission income, or maybe it's a business owner with some K-1 income, or maybe you're somebody who has some stock options or stock grants. 
typically those earnings aren't covered as well as health insurance. A lot of people have health insurance provided by their employer and significant amounts of their premium for health insurance are covered by their employer. So if they become sick or hurt and then their group disability plan kicks in, typically the group disability plan is going to kick in at maybe 50, 60% of covered earnings. But when you start looking at their overall compensation package through work, you might only be getting 20%, 25%, 30% replacement on your earnings. The other thing with a lot of group plans is they're capped out, meaning they have 60% of covered earnings to a maximum of $5,000 a month of benefit. What that means is if you make more than that cap, so more than 100000 of annual earnings, your group plan is going to stop at $5,000 a month of benefit if you have a cap along those lines. I see a significant number of clients that have this issue right here where the group plan isn't covering them on earnings. Some other things with the group plans are is the occupation. Many individuals go to work after they've put in four, six, eight, maybe 10 years of education to get themselves prepared for the occupation that they're doing. But if they become sick or hurt, a lot of times your group plan might only cover you for a year or two years if you can't do your occupation. And then after that, they would continue benefits if you can't do any reasonable occupation. Well, most individuals, you don't want to be forced to go do some new occupation. So I find that is a big shortfall of many group plans. Mental nervous, many clients, we don't expect to have a mental nervous claim, like if go out due to stress, depression, anxiety, marriage counseling, drug addiction, alcohol addiction, things like that. But things happen. I think of myself, I'm married, I have three little kids at home, and what if something happened to my wife or something happened to one of my kids? I mean, you see on Facebook and all these things these days where kids getting cancer or parents getting cancer or a car accident or something that causes significant changes in the family, how would you react mentally to that? And what I see is, is mental nervous claims typically aren't what happens to the individual, it's what happens to your surroundings. And most group plans are going to pay a maximum benefit of one or two years if you're out on claim due to a mental nervous condition. Another limitation of a group plan that a lot of them have is special conditions. Well, special conditions is every carrier is going to define it a little bit different, but typically what it is is if you go out to self-reported claims like fibromyalgia, which is like chronic pain or chronic pain syndrome or soft tissue things, things like that, back pain, where we can't point to an MRI and say this is what's causing it. It's something that's more subjective. Well, a lot of insurance companies will do a maximum benefit of one or two years for special conditions. I see that as a huge limitation with group plans. And a lot of times what happens is, is the employers that are purchasing these group plans are getting squeezed by their employees saying, hey, we want the best health insurance because people are out on claim with health insurance claims daily going to the doctor or this or that, and they see what happens to their pocketbook. But typically what happens then is, is they spend the money on the health insurance. But when it comes to the disability insurance, it's the race to zero. How can we gut the plan and take off all the bells and whistles and end up making it look more like a Geo Metro instead of a Chevy or a Cadillac? Another thing is the taxability of group plans. Many group plans are paid for by the employer and they're not added to payroll. So if you have one of those plans through your employer, at claim time, your benefits would be taxable. So not only did your benefit go from 100% of your wages down to 60% of your covered earnings, but now that benefit is taxable as well at claim time. So a lot of times it's something where a person has a 60, 70, 80% pay cut if they go out on claim. Some other things with group disability insurance that I like people to think about is the health insurance. I brought it up a little bit, but if something happens and you're sick or hurt, at a certain point, your employer needs to terminate you and you're no longer an employee. 
So then they send you this letter about COBRA, which some people think of COBRA as a dirty word, but really what COBRA is, the real cost of health insurance, the premium for health insurance. So let's say your employer was charging you $500 a month for health insurance for your family of four, and now something happens, you go out and claim you're sick or hurt and not able to go to work, they'd send you this termination notice and send you a COBRA letter. That health insurance that you're paying $500 a month would probably go north of $1,000 a month for your premium. And again, that is not covered by your disability insurance plan through work. The other thing is, is portability. Most individuals I talk with don't plan on working for the same employer forever. I mean, I think of my parents and my grandparents, and many of them worked for the same employer forever, but that's just something you don't see in today's workforce typically. Well, let's say you are at a company, you're working, on a Friday you quit, and on Monday morning you started a new employer. And both companies have a group-provided benefit, group disability insurance. If something happens right away at that new employer, let's say you're on heart medication and you have a heart attack, you're not going to be covered because most group plans will have a pre-existing condition limitation, meaning if you've been treated in the last three months to a year, depending on the plan, for something that causes a disability within the first six months to a year, depending on the plan, you will not be covered for that. So that can be a big shortcoming of group plans that they're not portable. Some of them do have some conversion features, but typically they're not very strong for you as an individual. Corey, that's a great analysis of really the shortcomings of group disability. And I think there's that misconception Jim referred to at the beginning of the show is that, look, if I've got it provided by my employer, it's part of my benefits package or it's free, so I'll take it. And then they're thinking it's complete. So what you just did was provide a great analysis for people to do a comparison and to sit down with their insurance professional and review the benefits and then start to coordinate with an individual plan. And we're going to take a short break, but when we come back, let's talk about that, Corey, as far as you might have a core foundation with your group plan if it's provided by your employer, but then it makes sense to sit down with your insurance professional and review that, see those shortcomings, and try and fill those gaps with something that is portable individual insurance. So please stay tuned. Don't forget to visit the Resources for You section on your Real Wealth Professionals website. You'll find links to many educational tools and resources. You'll also find a must-read section including many great authors who have been guests on past programs. Feel free to order any books that interest you or someone you know. Welcome back. As we continue our conversation today with Corey Anderson, who's a disability event consultant, We've been talking about the misconceptions and misunderstandings of how disability works today and how important it is. And you shared the statistics of the reality of 25 to 30 percent of people may have an event in their life prior to 65 that could require them to rely upon disability insurance or an event that lasts longer than 90 days. And that's a reason for people to really realize that, you know, life insurance is important in homeowners and auto and all those things. But a lot of those things are funded by your income. And if you lose that ability to generate an income due to an illness or injury or accident, you really need to ensure the income that justifies your lifestyle and creates your lifestyle. Before our break, I was engaged listening to your analysis of the shortcomings of Group DI. It doesn't make it bad. It just means it's a building block at best or a foundation. So help us transition to why the consumer would then coordinate, one, if they have Group DI available through their employer, then also what about those folks that don't have it available? What should they be looking for in an individual disability plan? 
individual plans that are available. So you can supplement a group plan or you can buy it even if you don't have a group plan. And some kind of figures to think about is is a group plan, if you're supplementing, it's typically 1% to 2% of your gross annual income. If you're a male, if you're a female, it's typically 2 to 4% of your gross annual income for a premium. But if you don't have any existing coverage and you're a female, it's probably going to be anywhere from 3 to 5% of your gross annual income. And if you're a male, maybe 1% to 2%. And again, that depends on what your situation is. You can make this look like a Geometro or a Cadillac Escalade or somewhere in between. It's a lot of features and unbundled where you make the decisions on that. But we're used to having a homeowner's insurance policy that replaces 100% of our home. We're used to having a car insurance that replaces 100% of our car if something happens. But with a disability plan, so we have our group plan that's got some shortcomings, we can supplement it with an individual plan and you choose the benefit amount. So typically the carrier will say based on your income, your occupation, your health, and your existing coverage, you qualify for X. You can purchase any dollar amount up to X. So that's the cap that you can buy and then it's tied to you. So it's not tied to your employer, it's tied to you and then it's fully portable. So it goes with you to whatever occupation you are at the time of claim typically. So it's a plan that's tied to you and you can literally end up replacing 100% of your income. You can have your group plan plus your individual plan. And then if we transition a little bit into some of the features within these contracts, we have this rider, it's called catastrophic. So for that Christopher Reeve style disability, we'll pay additional monthly benefit. So if you add your group plus your individual plus your catastrophic benefit, you're replacing 100% of your income for that worst case scenario kind of disability. And what I've realized when I'm talking with most clients is they purchase disability insurance for the Christopher Reeve style disability. Nobody anticipates this happening. As a society, we're the glasses half full kind of thinkers. And we don't want to think of the things that actually happen. We think of we're either working or we're a vegetable and there's no in between. And that's why many individuals should look at the catastrophic feature. And most of the clients when I'm working with them like to buy that catastrophic option for that worst case scenario. Some other product things that have come out recently in the market is there's this thing called compassionate. One of the carriers came out with this where if you need to take care of a parent, spouse, or child, you can receive disability benefits to take care of them assuming they need long-term care. So they need assistance with bathing, dressing, eating, toileting, transferring, those types of things where you're assisting them and you're having to take time off of work, you can end up collecting benefit on your disability plan without ever being disabled yourself. So kind of a neat feature, especially with what's been happening in society where many employers are worried about employees missing work and many employees are worried about missing work to take care of their parents or something. A good example there. Something actually hit home for me is I live in Minnesota and there was an individual from my high school who was ran into from behind out on the hockey rink and he was paralyzed and became a quadriplegic. I think if that was my child, how much time would I need to take off of work to help them recover and get them the proper care and assist them? Well, that's where that type of feature comes in. You've mentioned a lot of things, and I don't know if people really caught what you just talked about because I see this as a huge 
potential benefit. And I know a lot of our listeners might be close to retirement or in retirement, and they're thinking, well, this doesn't even apply to me. Why would I bother? And one thing I'm seeing with a lot of working families, and I'm sure you come across it quite a bit, is they're trying to pay for raising their kids or trying to put food on the table, pay their mortgage and all these things. And maybe they've suffered some reductions in income. Property taxes are going up. Disability income insurance might be something that they look at in their budget as they just can't afford it. Well, if you're a parent or grandparent and you've got a working child that maybe can't afford this, there's nothing maybe stopping you from helping to provide your kids this security while at the same time helping you because if you had a situation where you need long-term care, and that's probably one of the biggest risks facing Americans today in retirement, If your kids have this coverage, they might be able to take some time off of work and help out and give you the freedom or ability to consider staying at home versus going in a community-based care facility. So I think this rider is really innovative, and it's really addressing the times that we live in with people living longer in long-term care becoming more of an issue for many families today. I couldn't agree more. In fact, I spoke at Limro, which is a bunch of the insurance company heads recently, and I brought this up where individuals love looking at this, and I'd love to see more of our carriers step up and come out with this wonderful option. Is there any other innovative steps, riders and options that you really want to consider? And you had mentioned before the break on the shortcomings of disability through the group is many times the employer is deducting the premium so the benefit is taxable. How does that work when you're buying your own disability insurance because you're not deducting the premium? Isn't that a big difference? Absolutely. I'm glad you brought that up. On the individual plan, typically what you're doing is you're paying those premiums with after-tax dollars, and at claim time, the benefits would be income tax-free. If you're a business owner, if you're an S-corp, which many business owners are, you cannot deduct the premium for your individual or your group plan if you're more than a 2.5% owner. So you cannot deduct the premium, so you're paying taxes on the premium, so at claim time, the benefits are income tax-free. So long story short, most individuals that have individual disability coverage, their benefits are income tax-free at claim time because they already paid taxes on the premium. To just clarify there, too, you mentioned with the group DI, if you're getting 60% of your benefit and then paying tax on it versus individual insurance tax-free, that can be a substantial difference in what you net in your pocket. Jim always says it's not what you make, it's what you keep. That's what you have to work with. So thanks for clarifying that. Absolutely. There's one more product feature out there that many people have never heard of. It's been out in the industry about five years, but it's retirement protection. What we see with a lot of individuals who become sick or hurt and are unable to work, once they take that big paycheck cut by getting their group plan or even their individual plan, they're typically suffering financially. So what ends up happening is they're spending every dollar that comes in. And then typically most disability plans are ending around age 65 or age 67, somewhere in there. And so their plans are ending and it's time to retire, but they have no retirement savings because they were spending every dollar that came in. Well, the industry responded in a few carriers came out with a policy that pays a benefit into a retirement account, basically a 401k replacement or 403b replacement, and it's a trust account that you cannot access till you're 59 and a half. So if you're totally disabled, it starts paying this monthly benefit into a retirement account on your behalf that you can't access till you're at least 59 and a half to correspond with the same types of rules you'd see in like IRAs and 401ks. 
I'm sorry to interrupt, but is that a rider option or a standalone kind of coverage that you can acquire? Yes and no. It can be both. It depends on the carrier, and you can purchase that as a standalone individual plan, or some carriers would offer that as a rider. But typically what you're covering is is you can cover approximately 15% of your income, and it's typically up to a little over 4000 a month of benefit, whichever amount is lower. So you can actually put quite a bit of money into a retirement account if you're totally disabled via one of these plans. Well, the beauty of that, again, is obviously if you had a disability earlier in life and you can't afford to fund your retirement anymore, as you transition from your DI, which might, let's say, it goes until 65, then you start collecting Social Security, your lifestyle is then determined solely by a government program where this rider would allow you to still accumulate an additional retirement nest egg you ordinarily couldn't afford to do and really have the freedom to supplement your lifestyle above and beyond just what the government program provides, right? Absolutely. That's huge. I mean, that's control. That's having options in retirement. Unfortunately, if that accident happens, you don't have to live the lifestyle of just a government program. And I got to believe, too, if you get disabled earlier in life, you're not paying into credits to Social Security. So that Social Security check that Tony was talking about may not be quite the same number as if you had the ability to work till you're 55, 60, 65 years old. And obviously, it doesn't adjust for inflation. We know as our clients are collecting Social Security today, the inflation adjustment always seems to just barely cover the increase in the Medicare premium costs. So this is a great way to have an additional dollar bucket to supplement retirement. Hey, we're running a little tight, so let's transition to, I think this is a huge issue, Corey, and I appreciate that you would comment on the importance when you're applying for disability insurance. It's a frustration from the insurance professional standpoint sometimes to ask a lot of these deep medical questions, you know, what's happened in your life in the last 10 years? And the consumer tends to think, ah, no big deal. Really address the importance of honesty and accuracy on the application and going through what's called the underwriting process to evaluate your eligibility for disability insurance. Tony, thanks for bringing that up. A few of the medical things to get into are height and weight, and have you had any change in the last year? Because most of our carriers are going to add back some weight if you've lost more than 10 pounds in the last year. So it's important to be very accurate on your height and your weight and what you've had a weight change. Some other things, medications. Let your advisor know all medications you're currently on or you have been on in the last few years and what those are for because it's important to get to the bottom of those. Some history questions that come up is, do you have any history of stress, depression, anxiety, marriage counseling, drug addiction, alcohol addiction, or any mental nervous related things? We see that many individuals these days have some history of that or have some medications tied to that and it's very important to get the details of that. Is there regular counseling? Is the medication been consistent and for a long period of time? The underwriters like to see consistency. But I believe the most important thing is, is being honest about this and upfront prior to applying with, for the insurances. Get all this out on the table so underwriters can let you know what they anticipate beforehand. Chiropractor seems like a lot of individuals go to a chiropractor. Can that be an issue? It could be. You might be looking at some sort of spine exclusion or hip or knee exclusion, depending on what has been going on. Have you been having regular back pain or herniated disc, things along those lines? So you'll have to get into some of the history of that. 
surgeries, they want to know, have you had surgeries? And it's good to let your advisor know if you've had any surgeries ever. What are they? Did you have a full recovery with no residual effects? Things along those lines. I see a lot of clients that have like knee surgery a year ago. Well, we might have a knee exclusion and then be able to look at it down the road and remove that in a year or two. And then sleep. Seems like a lot of people have sleep studies, sleep issues, CPAP use. That might require extra premium on the policy. And it's important to note that up front so you don't apply for the coverage and then find out afterwards. Another thing that will come up is your occupation. This is very important to get into. What are your daily duties? A lot of my clients will share their LinkedIn account so I can see all the stuff on there. But then also, what do you do daily? It seems like everybody has the title of vice president of something. But what is that? If you're a vice president of a roofing company and there's two people and you're on the roof supervising your brother all day, well, you're a roofer. Versus if you're a vice president of a roofing company and you sit in an office all day, that could change your rates and how the insurance company looks at you. So it's important to talk about about your daily duties, your monthly duties, your annual duties. Do you work from home? Do you not work from home? Things along those lines so you can get an accurate pricing up front and the understanding of what should happen during the underwriting process. And I think that if you disclose everything on that application, obviously it avoids at claim time any contestability or issues with the insurance company saying, hey, you didn't disclose that, so now you're not covered. So getting the appropriate premium and pricing and job class, but also making sure that when that policy is issued, you're truly covered. Corey, this has been a phenomenal topic today. I really appreciate you educating our listeners today to understand, one, the importance of having disability insurance and don't just rely upon what your employer may provide you. Sit down with your insurance professional, go through those coverages, or if it's not provided, certainly analyze what the appropriate benefits are available to you. Don't just rely upon Social Security disability or any government program and look at some of these new riders and options that are available. That's just really very creative and innovative by the insurance companies to think about these things and understand the importance, of course, of portability, the taxation of the benefit, and naturally what you just commented on, which is make sure you disclose everything you can on that application so the policy you have issued truly is there for you at claim time. Corey, I'm sure there'll be some additional developments in the future in this industry, and we would love to have you back again as our expert disability event consultant. So thanks for educating our listeners today. You're welcome. Thanks, Tony and Jim. Have a great day. Thanks for joining us this week, and tune in again next week as we explore another phase of the real wealth process. And remember, if anything you heard in today's show you'd like to get more information about, contact your real wealth advisor. Also, if you feel that any of this information will be helpful to a friend or family member, just click the Forward to a Friend button. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's podcast from Prism Insurance Agency. We've got additional information and links in our show notes, which you can click on to learn more. If you have any questions about any of the topics covered or would like to learn more, you can go to our website, www.myprisminsurance.com. You can reach out to us on Facebook or LinkedIn or Twitter. Call us at 951-243-2800 or email me directly at prob at myprisminsurance.com. The email is in the show notes as well. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in and have a wonderful week.